if I just let go of that part of my brain that, that obviously my, my three-year-old doesn't have, at least not yet, you know, she didn't, she didn't have any idea that there was anything that she couldn't do. So what if we, you know, could think that way and, and journey into these other art forms and try it out. Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these mums write. Hey mums, it's Jackie. If you are here, you are probably drawn to writing, but what else? For many creatives, it's the process of creating something out of nothing that excites us. Not knowing where the thing you're working on will go is magical. That can mean that the drive to create may not be contained to writing, and that's okay. Today's guest, Alicia Peterson Baskell, is a creative entrepreneur and mom with a background in dance, fiber art, writing, and podcasting. She is the host of the podcast Inside the Creative Process. In today's show, she shares how each of these very different artistic practices work together and have helped her create in exciting and unexpected ways. Please welcome Alicia Peterson Baskell. Thank you so much, Alicia, for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. I'm excited. That's a great segue. <laughs> in, in fact, the question I always love to lead with is, what are you excited about now? Well, I am excited about the way in which all the art that I've been doing in different um, ways is coming together right now for me. I am a dance artist. That's that's sort of where I start. And that's where I fell in love with the creative process, except I can even go back, <laughs> I can even go back further in that I, when I was a kid, that's not actually what I thought I would do. When I was a kid, I thought I would write. So as oh. I, yeah, I did. I, I remember reading the Babysitter's Club every time they came out with the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> yeah. And thinking that that's what I would do. Um, and so it's, I'm at a point in my creative journey where I feel like I can see things kind of coming full circle. So as a dance artist uh, and then having children, I uh, transitioned into doing some more writing and then also transitioned into doing fiber art. So I've been doing a lot of different art forms throughout my um, career as an artist or as a creative, a person following creative processes. And I feel like all of a sudden it's sort of coming together. And I think it has to do with uh, the podcast that I have and talking about other people's creative processes and just seeing how being in these different processes has allowed me to, to see how you know, just to see different angles, to see different ways um, into the process of creating something. Mm. So it's like you're able to step back a little bit right now and, and see like the connections in the matrix kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember going to grads when I, when I applied for graduate school. So I had gone to undergraduate as a dance artist. I moved to San Diego to dance 
uh, with a with a company that I was the uh, not what did they apprentice? They call us a, an apprentice when you're just kind of learning. You're not going to really dance on the stage with the dance mm. company, but you learn all the parts. And mm. I got to sit next to the the choreographer and kind of start to give her my feedback. And she really she valued that. She valued my feedback, and I knew that I was a choreographer more than I was necessarily a dancer or, um, yeah, I was a choreographer first and a dancer second, I should say. Okay. And then, um, when I went to, I I was here in San Diego making dances for 10 years, just making as much as I could. And in my mind, I was considering that like graduate school, you know, like that I was getting such an education just from doing. And, uh, and then when I went to graduate school, I, um, I was grappling so much, like, I want to write, but I also want to dance. I want to write, but I also want to make dances. And I couldn't see how those things went together. Mm. It just didn't. I knew that the process was similar. I knew that when I wrote, uh, I love editing. I know when I dance, I love editing. I know I love allowing things in um, to a flow place, but I didn't really see how they went together. Mm. And all of a sudden I had professors, you know, just saying, okay, here, there's a writing teacher over there and you're going to, you can take her class and you can do this. And then I found that I was writing about the dances that I was making and I was uh, dancing the writing that I was writing. So it was this interesting kind of back and forth play between dance and writing that I hadn't understood. I hadn't understood before. I hadn't realized that I didn't have to pick one or the other. And do you write like someone who has never danced before? Um, do you, how do you choreograph? Is it through writing or is it, do you draw things or how does that, what does that process look like? Yeah. Uh, it's evolved for me it, for a long time. It had nothing to do with writing for me. Mm. Uh, I used to, I, I enjoyed speaking. So it sort of evolved from speaking I would in rehearsal, we would speak our stories. And I found that there was something really interesting about that for me when with the dancers I was working with and their whole body and Mm. uh, performative nature changed when they opened their mouth and spoke about a story of their past from their past or, uh, or even a made up story that they might come up Mm. with. And so when I was, again, when I was in grad school, I was able to kind of research that and understand what that was for me. And now mm. my process is that it, it is writing. So either I'll make as the choreographer of a group piece, maybe I will write things that I'm getting. Uh, and it's not linear. It's not like, okay, they're going to the right and they're going to the left. It's, it's, I see elephants walking across the stage and that's heavy and there's a heaviness and, you know, Uh so it's, it's not going to be the same dance every time I write in reflection to what I'm seeing. And then as a reflection of what I'm seeing in the work, and then I will often, and this is specific to my work and other people who might work with language, I will give the artists or the dance artists back the writing, or I will read it to them. And now they don't know what I saw of the elephants. They don't know what they were doing. 
but they use that as information to improvise. Oh, okay. So as an improviser, I can go into language new every time. And yet at the, at the same time, there is something that you, that I hold on to, you know, I'm holding on to this language. And if I bring it to this dance artist, they're going to interpret it one way. If I bring it to this other dance artist, they're going to interpret it a different way. So there's a lot of imagination going on between the language and the movement and how that interacts. And, and what is choreography? I mean, I think I don't even, I'm not, I don't think I'm actually totally clear on what that is either. Yeah. Choreography doesn't have like one definition, Mm. but if I were to kind of take a step back from it and give it, you know, kind of an overarching definition, it would be that it's a way into the dancing. So choreography, you know, when you see it on a television show where they're doing, you know, so-and-so's choreography for this dance competition, it's often uh, very specific movements that a dancer is going to replicate time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. And then I work kind of on a spectrum of somewhere between that kind of really set choreography and improvisation. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much in that, that uh, an artist, a dance artist can use to create quote unquote choreography Um, You know, like I said, like writing as choreography. So somebody, a dancer could step into that world that's created Mm -hmm. in the writing any way they would, they might want to, or there might be um, like in music, they call it a score oftentimes, and a musician will follow a score when they're improvising and a score or it is just sort of a set of guidelines, So when you're improvising and you're creating in the moment, but you know that you have a score of, you know, say you can only dance on the outside edges of the room. Mm. So that would be a score. And then that dance artist could create using that limitation. So in some ways it's, it's like setting a limitation, And you do that through writing with your dancers. Yeah, I do that through writing and we do it. I, I do a lot of the writing, but I also invite them to do the writing. Um, It's been a little while since I've actually worked with a group, but when I work on my own, uh, there's a lot of kind of back and forth between just memory and what remains that I didn't write down. There might be something that I didn't write down that remains that keeps coming back when I re when I go back into it. Mm. Um, but then also the writing, yeah. Writing it down, writing down something in a solo I did a few months ago, I remembered the beach, the, there was a lot of beach coming up, which is kind of natural because I live by the beach, but it was sort of specific to a child and a pail and a shovel. And so I could write, you know, I can write in any way I want to this image and kind of to capture that moment for me so that it's not necessarily that I remember the movements I was doing at that time, but I can find myself right back in that moment from the inside Mm. through writing. Wow. So is there, like, I love this idea of movement influencing writing and writing influencing mm-hmm. movement. Because I know you're working on a kid's book, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Does movement 
did it play an element in that process? Yes, it did. So, you know, as we're talking about writing, exactly, writing, influencing my dancing, when I moved into writing these children's books, yes, absolutely. The, there's absolutely so, there's so much movement in them that I didn't really recognize as something that was specific to how I write as I give it to, you know, other, other writers and, and they look at it and they say, I can feel the movement of this journey. I can feel the movement of this character. For me, there's a lot of kind of trying to enter into a space where I really can sense the character that I'm uh, writing about or the character that, that she's with. And I mean, these children's books to be just totally like out there, they're about dance. They're about a dancer. So it's really easy to incorporate movement when we're talking about dance and we're talking about uh, the movement of, of this little girl as she is in her imagination and mm. she's moving like a penguin. And so, you know, how do you describe the movement of a penguin with, again, few words because it's a picture book, which is really fun for me to just go in there and find that one word, mm. you know, that one word that's going to encapsulate the movement of this moment. And then how does that word change when then she's dancing with a fox that's much different in movement than the penguin? Yeah. How do you find those words? Do you use a special dance dictionary? I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I stay away from dance words because nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to read dance words, but it's evolved kind of, you know, my first time around, I think I'm like most writers where it's in the editing, you know, so much happens in the editing, at least for me, even in picture mm. books, I don't get it right the first time at all, but just kind of getting the movement of the story down. And then, mm, right. and then I'll kind of look at, uh, you know, like four, a four line section and just try to figure out what, okay, how can I make that really come alive? How can I pull that word? And a lot of times it's, I mean, I love um, thesaurus.com <laughs> to help me get into, you know, different words, something that might work a little bit better uh, or really articulate it. But sometimes I just get up and move like that character and ah. feel, okay, what does this feel like? What is, how would I describe the way I'm feeling? And then sometimes I ask my daughter, <laughs> and say, how would you describe that? What's a good word for this? I uh, love that. And, and so what got you into writing kids' books? Well, I, you know, hearken back to that Babysitter's Club, how much I loved uh, Babysitter's Club. I truly thought that I would be writing chapter books. And I, I feel like that's coming in the future. Mm -hmm. But when I would, I had a story in my mind and I would, I had taken writing classes and it was sort of coming up. It was, it was, it was percolating, but it, when I tried to write these longer forms, it felt like it would meander and, and just kind of go all over the place. I couldn't get it to stay in a straight line. And meanwhile, I guess that this was when my um, oldest, so it's taken me a little while, but when my oldest was new and I was buying her like board books and stuff like that for Christmas and looking at all these little picture books and getting excited about them. All of a sudden it clicked for me that, ah, this story that I think has to get all over here is really 
Like, what if it could just be so succinct that I could write it as a picture book? And it just came out during nap time. (laughs) Like she'd be on that swing and I would just sit here and I'd write. And, and it came out for me, I think maybe because I am a dance artist, it came out in rhythm and rhyme and and it gave me a, it, again, it, it was sort of like having a score for writing for me. It gave me uh, my limitations. So, you know, my limitation was that it needed to rhyme. It needed to be in this certain rhythm. And, uh, and then that got me started. And then, uh, you know, I heard you hear all the time in, in children's picture books that rhyming, you know, is rhyming good is rhyming bad. It's often, controversial depending on who you're talking with. But basically what I've heard is that it needs to be good. So if you're going to rhyme, you need to, it needs to be good and there needs to be a reason. And so as I've edited and tried different things out, I've tried it in prose. I've actually got three of them now. And I try, I've tried them all in prose to see, and they just, all of a sudden they just like, for me, they just go you know, they just lose their energy. And I realized that it's a dance, you know, this is a little girl dancing. This is written by a dance artist. There is something to this. So with, within the book, it starts with, uh, with prose. It starts in a way that's very uh, just open. And as she goes into dancing, that rhyme and that rhythm start to pick up. Mm. And so, but that, but I needed that rhyme to get started. There was no way I could have written that first book. I don't know why, but there, I needed to have that, um, that rhyme and that rhythm. Yeah. I love the parallel with the dance, right? Rhyme and rhythm is, you know, so endemic to like music. Yeah. And it just, it cracks me up sometimes when I think about how I didn't think these things went together and then everything I do <laughs> like goes back and forth between the dancing and the writing. Yeah. And, but there's more. So you're also a fiber artist. And so I'm, I'm really intrigued at the three different genres of creativity that you have going. And so can you tell me more about how the fiber art started and like, how does it weave uh, <laughs> into the, the choice of words? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Yes. Well, it, I am a creative process obsessed person. I just, and I'm lucky because I recognized that about myself early on and I didn't let that go. Mm. That was something that, you know, obviously following dance and, and following these different outlets has been always a part of my, has, has been like had to be a part of my life. And so when I, you know, before I had kids, I was dancing, I was at going to the dance studio so often and it was so easy. And then when I had my first daughter, like I said, I started writing that I started I shifted, I had been writing before, but it really kind of became focused and it changed to the picture book writing. And I could do that with one child and, you know, she would take a nap and I could sit down and write, I could sit down and edit. I could, and I, I did that quite a bit. And then I had my second child and I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could leave the house and go to the dance studio very much. I did a, I did a bit throughout Mm -hmm. all of this, but 
it wasn't like, it wasn't enough to feed my desire to create, Mm. but I also didn't feel like I could write very easily. I wanted to both write these, you know, keep editing these picture books, but I also wanted to write, go and see dances and write about them, which was something Mm. that I would do. And I couldn't do it. My brain just, I mean, I think we're a lot of us moms listening to this podcast, right? So that part was hard in those early days, but for some reason I could, I could stay up late. I just couldn't write. I just needed, Mm. I needed something for my hands, something that was organic. And I was sitting uh, in the rocking chair with my daughter a lot, looking around the house, like, you know, wanting to shift and wanting to buy that artwork that I saw on Instagram, but not being able to afford it and wanting to do these things. And then meanwhile, I had my three-year-old who would just make art out of anything. I mean, she wanted a purse. So she stapled these papers together with a a little string and she brought it to school, her little purse. And, you know, I just, (laughs) I just looked at her and I went, wow, like nothing stops you from making. And here I am admiring these things and thinking, well, I I might be able to do that. And so I tried and I messed up really, really badly. The first time I tried uh, doing a dip dye fiber art piece, I got the wrong yarn. (laughs) I had to invent a different way of, of dyeing it. And, but I, I loved it. It was so fun to be creative again and to feel like, okay, this is a space where I may not have the brain capacity to do the other things that I really want to do, but this requires the fiber art requires a lot more just presence and, uh, and it's very tactile. So it satisfies that you know, that maker in me Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and it was, and I just could get really creative and go, okay, what else can I make? Ooh, what else can, how can I figure that out? Because it wasn't like a known art form, you know, the dye and the yarn together, they don't act in any specific way that you can always contain, you know, that's going to drip down. It, it, it just, it became a challenge. And so that challenge for me was fun because I could, I could use it as a way to question, okay, how am I going to make this? How am I, how am I going to make a cactus? How can I do that? What, how long do I have to let it dry before I take this part down and move this part over? And um, yeah. So also the, that there's a little bit of a math brain in me. So some of that was satisfied by <laughs> some of that, that uh, yarn art, the, the dip dye fiber art. Yeah. And I made it into a business, which was really fun too. And learned a lot about social media and how to, how to sell on Instagram and how to work with um, influencers. I don't even know if they were called influencers totally at the time. Mm-hmm. It was like five or six years ago, Uh, but I had so much fun and it satisfied that part of me. Wow. I mean, I love that you found a way to keep creating because I know that, you know, some, you know, I've talked to a lot of mom writers and some, yes, like I'm like in awe of them writing a book during nap time over a course of like three months, but I could never do that. Yeah. And so I, I love that you found like that third door, you know, it's 
you're saying, you know what, I don't, I'm not gonna uh, beat myself up because I don't have the mental energy to write a book right now, but you still then found this other beautiful outlet. Cause I feel like that is probably the fundamental, you know, reason why I started this podcast and that, you know, the, that what challenges moms, right? Is that mm-hmm. this mom experience is so overwhelming and so demanding and so like how do you find space to be creative and in that role yeah when you're just it's just so taxing Mm -hmm. yeah i never would have pictured myself doing fiber art or any kind of visual art you know it was but it was truly being a mom that allowed me to do that because if i wouldn't have seen my daughter doing it so freely and so easily I think I would have just sort of stayed in that my same mentality of that's other people. Other people can mm-hmm. do that. I'm a writer. I'm a dance artist. I can claim those things, but this other thing, that's not me. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it took, it just took seeing that, okay, if I just let go of that part of my brain that, that obviously my, my three-year-old doesn't have, at least not yet, you know, she didn't, she didn't have any, any idea that there was anything that she couldn't do. Mm. So what if we, you know, could think that way and, and journey into these other art forms and try it out. You know, it was great for me for those. I think I had my shop for five years and I've only recently uh, put it on, I put it on vacation Mm. and, and, you know, to go back to your first question, it's just, it's not exciting me anymore. So Mm. At the time, it really satisfied that that need for me very, very much. But over the last year, two years, I've wanted I've wanted my dance back. I've wanted my writing back. I mean, at first it was writing. You know, when COVID kind of made us all think, oh, you know, well, what if <laughs> what if this all ended? What would I regret most? I mean, I asked myself that question, and what I would regret most was not seeing this through. It's not seeing these picture books through because mm. I'm writing them for myself. Then it's, I sort of, you know, tinker at it here and there. But if I'm trying to think bigger picture, like I really want these to be out in the world. I really want to see them. I want to see what a, I'm not the artist for this. I want to see what the artist that I could collaborate with would do with this. Like that was something that I felt all of a sudden really driven to get, get to back to work at that, you know, to not just put it as that thing I do when I have an hour at the coffee shop. And when I drop my one daughter off at this preschool and then go to pick the other one up, I wanted to dedicate a little bit more time to it. And what do you think that you learned from the fiber art experience that is impacting your book writing? I would say, you know, two things. Number one, just that idea of you might not think you can do it, but you can. It's not out of reach. It is possible. But also the marketing. I mean, that was so valuable to me. Everything I learned, you know, and it was it was via product shop type, you know, Etsy seller workshops that I would take, but it covers so many things. I mean, that it applies to, to my podcast now and Mm. everything I learned, I can use uh, for my podcast, everything I learned, I can use for 
promoting these picture books. Marketing is Mm -hmm. such a huge Mm -hmm. uh, challenge for writers. And I think it's neat that you have like this really amazing experience in this other art field. And like, could you think of a couple of of specific tips that maybe um, you learned in that domain that you would apply to this? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that boosted my, uh, my exposure was working with influencers. And for me, it was for, for the fiber art business, it was, you know, specifically people who were the home remodeling or, or home decor crowd. Oh, you know, right. I wasn't working with artists. I was working with the people who were decorating their home. And so if they got excited about stuff, there were certain, and at this time, nobody charged anything either. You know, that was the lower, lower numbers. I think somebody who now has like 300,000 followers at that time had 20,000 followers and they just would get really excited about new things. And you can, you can tell the difference between somebody who's just sort of having an account and doing it very business wise. And then somebody who gets really excited about your work, Mm. they sell it. I mean, I, I had this Christmas tree tapestry that has been very popular and she had it first, this, uh, this one home decor person and she showed it and she was just like, Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. And she was on her stories talking about it. And, you know, I just, I had all I could handle. (laughs) I couldn't do a single uh, anymore. I had to be, I was sold out a few times. So that's, and I know that's, that might be a little different for books, but what you could do is, you know, for me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm writing, for children's, for for young do- young girls mostly, I would say, and I would look at people who might have young daughters and ask and give, and then you give that product to them. I give that book to them and ask them mm-hmm. to read it, ask them to talk about it in their Instagram. So that's one way I think that's really a great use of of social media. Isn't you don't you don't necessarily have to have the large amounts of followers. It's just, you need to get that product or that book in front of a lot of followers. So in the hands of somebody who has more followers. Mm. Um, and then the other thing in terms of also growing your own account or growing your own, um, own following is just to be yourself, be in it, be a part of it. So not to only market your my tapestries or not to only market the book that you're writing and, but yourself, because a person, people want to know about you, you know, people want to know who the person is. I mean, and that's kind of, you know, with the pot, with podcasting, people want to know the, the person behind the work. It's so interesting to find out about the whys and the hows and the personal stories. So those are the two advice, two uh, little pieces I would share. Wow, those are, I love, yeah, I think, I feel like it's so fresh hearing your advice because of that, like, um, cross, what do they call it, cross-pollination? You know, it's kind of, it's different, you know, because you have that experience in a different field, but you also have, you know, you know what it's like to be a writer and, and, you know, also a dancer, but... Yeah, it's inter- like how I started off, everything, what I said I was excited about is just how everything seems to be coming together. 
Um, because at different points, I, you know, with the fiber art business, I did, I felt trapped. You know, I don't have time to write. I didn't have time, just uh-huh. trapped in that one thing. Or, uh-huh. and, you know, even if it's a creative pursuit, mm-hmm. it can also become, it can become daunting as well. You know, you just have to follow. Mm-hmm. For me, I had to follow my gut and people were going like, well, you're, wait a second, you're making money, making art and you're not happy about doing it. It's like, well, I was, but not so much now. It's, I feel like I'm being pulled in a different direction mm. and now I can understand why, you know, now I can look back. And I think that's the thing that, that I find so interesting with this exact moment right now is I can see how things are coming together and I'm making, you know, dance solos again mm. and, try, you know, starting a new project with, with dancing. And it's, it's in my kitchen. It's just around using like thinking outside the box and thinking, you know, okay, if I have to have people, if I can't perform in a large theater right now, or, you know, maybe now we can, but this was a year or so ago, then what, how can I see performance or how can I help people see performance? So I started just making dances in my kitchen and I've had very small, small audiences, <laughs> like two people, but it's just getting that, that, engine going, you know? Mm. So I feel like that engine's going, uh, the writing engine's going and it's all, I can see it all kind of coming together. Yeah. And, and then the podcast is that yeah. th- your podcast is about the creative process. So is that like one space where it does all come together? Yes. Yes. And that's, it, it does all come together there. And I've asked myself this question, you know, why, why do you keep, why do you go from dance to writing to uh, fiber art? Why can't I just get a job somewhere and (laughs) just do something else? Because I just love the creative process and I feel so much happier when I'm in conversation, honestly, when I'm in conversation about the creative process. So I don't just have to be like being in it is amazing as well. But that's one thing in graduate school that I loved so much is how often we would talk about it and we would Mm -hmm. challenge each other. And I sort of missed that a little bit when I first had my daughters. So it satisfies that urge in me to, to, you know, be in conversation like with you right Mm -hmm. now and to be able to talk about their art form and listen and follow the flow and, and, and find out how they make the work that they make. What was one piece of advice you would give yourself? So um, maybe back when you were, uh, you know, you you couldn't do the dance because you just had your first child and you're sitting there looking at those fiber art on Instagram. Yeah, that's a good question because I've tried, I've tried to give myself this advice the whole way through, but I didn't quite listen. And that is to, just to be patient. I think there's a certain amount of a certain balance between desire because desire is absolutely necessary to keep you wanting to write and to keep you wanting to do the um, whatever it is that, you know, lights your soul up, whatever that project is. But at the same time, yeah, to be patient with yourself and to allow yourself to have that time with the with the 
children with the little ones um, and not, not get, not get angry with yourself. Cause I think I I've gotten angry with myself and sometimes angry that I didn't have enough time to work on that writing or that dance. And if I, if I could have just known that, you know, elementary school comes around and now you've got some hours, you know, at least me, <laughs> yeah. I've got some hours now and I've got, I, I can shift my uh, focus, but I can't get those years back when they were little. Mm. So I'm glad I had the desire, uh, but I wish I could have been a little bit more patient. Beautiful. Thank you so much for everything you shared today. I think that those are some, for me, they really resonate. So I'm sure they will with our listeners as well. Awesome. It's been so fun. I love talking about this kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that talk. Alicia is so passionate about art and creativity is just so infectious. Okay. So here are the top takeaways. Number one, if you want to infuse your writing with movement and improvisation, get up and actually do what your character is doing and see how that feels. Number two, being a mom can make engaging in the creative process hard, but there is always a way for you to get your maker fix, so keep looking for it. Number three, if something isn't exciting you anymore, it's okay to stop doing that. Number four, if you hear yourself saying, I can't do that, that's something other people do, stop yourself and really question whether that is true. Number five, when it comes to marketing, the most effective strategy is finding people that get excited about your work, whether that is fiber art or books. Number six, be patient with yourself. Your art will always be there, but the kids won't. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could rate or review this podcast on Apple or Spotify so that I can continue to bring amazing people like Alicia to you. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.